Welcome to Black Girls Getting Their Shit Together. This is a podcast about mental health and wellness, as well as self-empowerment for Black women. I'm your host, Ursula. I'm a certified life coach and mental health and wellness advocate. And each week, I promise to deliver relevant topics and resources that affect our community. So just remember, once you can identify the issue is when we can start to heal. Welcome to season two. And speaking of season two, it's coming to an end, but no worries. I'm going to have content coming on in between the hiatus, but thank you for returning. And um, just want to let everybody know my website has launched. I launched the baby. I gave birth to the baby on Monday. Come over, visit the baby. Come over, visit the website and see how it's going and everything I have to offer on it, and I want to thank everybody for participating in the survey that I had. And I listened to the survey, so with that, I created some courses in my life coaching packages. And I hear you self care, self care, self care, it's coming, but you need to go to the website so you can see all the details. And remember that the link is in the show description. So I have group, uh, group or one on one. Uh, packages, uh, merchandise, digital products, etc. 
I want you all to come in and say hello. Let me know where, where you, you're tuning in from. Um, oh, we already have people coming. <laughs> wow. Already people are coming in already. I love it. But yeah, tell, tell me hello. Tell me where you're tuning in from. If it's a replay, make sure and type replay in the comments so that I know where you're coming from. All right. We're going to get right into this. I have a wonderful, when I say a wonderful guest, I, you know, all of my guests are wonderful and special, but there is something about this brother that literally makes my soul freaking vibrate, and I'm not joking. So I'm not going to talk about it anymore. I'm going to be about it, and I'm going to bring this brother out of the waiting room and bring him on. Linton, I'm coming for you, friend. Oh. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I am so well. I am so well. I'm excited. I'm, oh, I'm beyond excited. Oh, where do I start? Okay, everyone, let me calm down and ground myself because th this topic is something else. But I have Linton Hester on. He's a psychotherapist. And he's the founder of Live Better Now. I'm going to read his uh, bio. It's very, very lush, but I'm going to read some things. But I just want you to feel how this brother's presence is. But Linton is a licensed professional counselor in the state of Georgia. He educated. Oh, let me get my screen a little smaller. Excuse me, Linton. You know, I'm only 28. I got these 28-year-old eyes. <laughs> but his educational background, uh, he has two advanced degrees, excuse me, two advanced degrees from Liberty University. Hmm, that's interesting. And he's also a certified life coach and personal trainer, which I'm going to ask you about. And he's a proud HBCU graduate of, and I'll let you tell me. Florida Memorial University. Yeah, Miami, Florida. FOMO. <laughs> <laughs> so what else is it? Uh, what else? Tell the folks about you, uh, including with your bio. It's just you got so much to offer. I know. Well, I'll say this and I'll try to keep it succinct. Um, and I'll add in just a little bit of disclosure regarding my family, since the topic is regarding generational, you know. And so um, I actually graduated from Florida Memorial University, which was Florida Memorial College back in 2002. That is the day I actually graduated that morning and I was walking the aisle that evening with my wife. <laughs> so I graduated. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, God bless you both. Yeah. Yeah, so I was I was walking the stage that morning to receive my diploma, and I was walking the aisle to receive my bride that evening. So, twenty one credit hours over the summer. Um, as time transitioned and we grew, then we ended up um, having twin boys, which are you know I call them my they are my best, my super troopers. Um, love those little guys. And from there, we ended up transitioning. Uh, I worked for as a probation officer. From there, I was a, uh, yes. <laughs> and I also worked with uh, Savannah State University. Shout out to the Tigers. And um, that is when I decided to transition into doing therapy, counseling. 
um, and being a psychotherapist because I, I experienced a lot of challenges and issues in the lives of young people um, that were impediments to their education, to their, right. you know, to their journey to be successful academically. And so I wanted to do a lot more than just reach them in the classroom or reach them just in limited spaces. I wanted to go to where the trauma or the issues actually stemmed from, where it derived. And so I, I took it upon myself and I received my first master's in executive leadership. Uh, was close enough to receive my counseling degree. So I took a couple more courses, went through the practicum and all, and obtained my, my degree in counseling then LPC, um, mm -hmm. transitioned to receive my EMDR. And now I'm working in my own practice and also partnering with Access Mental Health to do community-based therapy uh, to provide services in the community as well. Amazing. Amazing. We we need more foot soldiers like yourself, my friend. <laughs> I, I, I just like to say I am one of many. So um, <laughs> I'm trying to recruit more brothers into the field. So. Well, you know, you're a great role model, seriously. So we have a lot of people coming in saying hello. Hello. Oh, my beautiful Lynn and Lori. Travis, hello. Chantel, her last name looks familiar. Ah, yes. <laughs> she said, yes, Flomo. Yes, Flomo. <laughs> so everyone, tonight's topic is generational trauma in the black families. This is a heavy subject, but it's so needed. It's so necessary. And it's funny how spirit works because I met this brother on social media and he just did something but simply type in a comment on someone else's page that we both were on. And there you go. And, you know, he he is very knowledgeable. I mean, he just comes with it and he looks like us. So how are you feeling about this topic tonight? I am excited. I'm just very excited to be here, um, to be able to be, you know, on your platform, to add a voice and um, some experience from a clinical perspective, as well as some personal, um, and just to be able to shed light and to bring awareness about it. I think that's the most important thing is to really bring conversation to it um, and to help individuals gain awareness, you know, about the issue, the topic that is at hand. I don't think that it's anything that we're not aware of, but we have not. I, I think what we're doing now, we, we're moving from contemplation to actuation. You know, mm. from, from just thinking about the issues, thinking about the trauma, thinking about why I am the way I am and, and, and what is, you know, reverberating in my system and in my life and in the cycle of my lifespan now to wanting to actually do something about it, you know, yes. to stop the trauma or to put a halt to it to some degree. So I'm excited for those who joined in and um, for those who also want to provide questions and, and insight as well, you know, um, I would love to to definitely hear from them as well. So uh, especially with questions or comments and and challenges, you know, I think we grow from challenges. So if, if you, I believe, if they disagree, um, that is, you know, controversy is good for for growth. And so I think that if it's controversial, you know, it brings attention to the table. Absolutely. So if anybody, the, any of these comments I'm about to say sounds familiar to you, whether you disagree or not, just type yes. Uh, what stays in this house, wait, what goes on in this house stays in this house. 
Mm. This is going to hurt mm. me more than it's going to hurt you. Mm. Oh, you did something bad? Go outside and get that switch and wet it and braid it. That's if you really got in trouble, right? Um, what? Help me out. What other things have you heard, Linton? Things I've heard was um, it's going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. Yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and, and other things such as, um, so this boy, you act just like your dad. You look just like your dad. I'm Ooh. sick of you. You act just like your mama. You'll oh, never be about, nothing. Right. How about this? You know, if you, you're cracking on when you're younger and kids are going back and forth, instead of saying, oh, you're stupid, you a black stupid such and such. Mm. Like putting wow. that black on there is like that yeah. extra pain to hurt you. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. after yeah. a while, it was watered down and there are some roots of generational trauma in that. So what I'm going to do for everyone, if you just work with me, I am going to put something on the screen. And if you all can see this, please type yes. Uh, let's see. So, Linton. Yes. I'll let you. Re- oh, I'll read it and I'll let you take over. So, this page, uh, this, uh, excuse me, this screen comes from Linton's Instagram page, which is Live Better Now. And here's something. I brought you in this world and I'll take you out. This is a phrase that exhibits pseudo hostility and is a method that reflects an attempt to regain control and redirect behavior as well as recalibrate final authority. Hmm. Yes, I brought you in this world and I'll take you out. That pseudo hostility <clears throat> basically is, um, excuse me, from a family structure where authority is not finalized or there is overt authority. You know, um, let's give an example. If you have a child who is constantly acting out, having behavioral issues, not able to express themselves, or the child has been shut out of the ability to express themselves because the mother says a child is to be what? Seen and not what? Heard. Not heard. Not heard. Now, just imagine if you were that child. And you can never really say, mama, I'm hurt. I feel this way or I'm upset or I'm frustrated. That what that does, that actually generates pent up anger, causes that child to not know how to express their feelings or their emotions. And eventually they'll become emotionally unavailable for their other family members or in a relationship. I know there have been many women who talked about, well, why is my husband emotionally unavailable? or Why is my boyfriend emotionally unavailable? It starts at the root. It starts at home when you're not able to express your feelings. And there's a clinical term for that. You know, you find it where it's difficult to put context to your emotions, to provide verbiage to how you feel. That is actually called alexithymia, the inability to express yourself or to convey your thoughts appropriately can you repeat hold on let me get my pen because you know everything's always a learning lesson for me can you repeat that again that name it's alexithymia alexithymia 
Um, and, and again, it's an inability to express yourself. And so if you've never given the space or the opportunity to express your thoughts, to express your feelings, to convey where you are and how you feel, then you're going to struggle with emotional regulation. So anything that frustrates you or resonates or reflects being shut down, being ostracized, being minimalized, then you're going to struggle with being able to express yourself. And when it resembles Anytime your present resembles your past and it's causing you to not be able to express yourself, then you're going to blow up because eventually you it's it's equivalent to energy. I like to equate emotions to energy. When you're excited, what happens? There's energy. When you're happy, there's energy. When you're angry, when you're mad, because that energy has to go somewhere. It's emotions. And so when your emotions become corked and it gets aggravated like a shaking up soda can, right? You Here shake you that go. soda can up, eventually you will pop the top and just start fizzing and you're out of control. And so just imagine going back to the original um, topic of pseudo hostility. Just imagine if you're a child and you're not able to express your thoughts and feelings and you grow up not being able to express your thoughts and feelings. You become easily agitated to the point to where you don't know how to express your thoughts and feelings because mom was never allowed to express her thoughts and feelings. You're going to generational now. Mom was never allowed to express her thoughts and feelings. And so she echoed her upbringing to her child. Children ought to be seen and not heard. So her frustration is projected onto her child and the child echoes being seen and not heard. And so that's pent up frustration, pent up anger. And who suffers from that? The child. The child. The child suffers. Because and the child, then their child's child and their child's child will suffer from that. It's cycle. Um, that's the pattern. You know, and, and, and regarding pseudo hostility, I want to kind of provide a uh, um a definition to that. Pseudo hostility basically is trivial events that blows up when the family is actually seeking love and care. Can you it's explain that? Pseudo hostility. The root word of pseudo is false, fake. Oh. It's a veneer, right? Hostility, anger, aggression, frustration. It's a false aggression. It's a false hostility. It's a false sense of being angry when you, in actuality, you're seeking love, safety, and connection. And so the family goes through trivial issues and not really touching bases on the fact that I need love. I need you to hug me. I need you to hold me. I need you to tell me that you love me and that I feel safe. And so the family continues to bicker back and forth through pseudo hostility as opposed to saying, son, come here. It's okay to be frustrated. Come here, daughter. It's okay to feel upset. I love you. What do you need? So we tell the child, shut up, be quiet. Hush, I don't want to hear that. Pseudo. When in actuality, because it happened to mom, mom passes the same pseudo hostility down to the child. The child in turn receives the message, the psychosocial damage, and cascades that down to their child. So it's again, it's cyclical. And what happens is that they suffer from, from anger, from depression, from frustration, from social withdrawal. Because if you don't want to hear me, then I don't want to be heard. And if nobody wants to hear me, then what happens? I'm going to socially withdraw because I'm not loved. Nobody sees me. Nobody wants me. 
Oh my God. And so that, 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 and so goes the cycle of, you know, frustration, anger, pent up grief, agitation, whether they call big traumas or small traumas, it's trauma. It may not be car accidents. It may not be service and war, but there is a thing that's called emotional trauma, a child or a person who has been emotionally traumatized. Here, I get it. Oh my God, there's so much to unpack. Where do and I then, start? And, and, and you know, and, and I, I want to back up because I, I know that, you know, that's been a term that we've thrown around a lot, trauma. And, and I, I want to kind of give some rudiment to trauma. Trauma basically is a deeply distressing or disturbing experience or event, right? That event augments the stress level. It changes and raises the stress level. And in the life of that person, it causes cognitive distortions in their belief system, in their interactions, and in the way they view and have experience with the outlook of the world. So it basically changes the totality of who you are mm. from that experiences and moving forward, it causes you to live a distorted or thwarted life because of the trauma. And that, that's what trauma is. Mm. It changes the makeup and composition of who you are. And I read the research shows that it can literally, it's ingrained. Like it can, is that true? It affects, it affects the epigenetics of a person, right? Um, and, and what that does, because uh, trauma in itself, and, and, and I, and I want to segue to generational trauma, because trauma in itself, it, what it does, it recalibrates the neurons in the mind, in the brain, mm -hmm. because it's neuropsychology. Anytime, I'm going to give you an example. If you're driving in a car and you're texting on your phone, and by the time you look up, you are nearly at the back of a vehicle. Mm -hmm. You pump the brakes, right? You stampede on the brakes and it causes you to lean forward. And when you know you're about to hit that car, what does that do to your body? Ugh. It sends shock waves through your body. Yes. And what it does, it scrambles the neurology in your brain. And now it makes you what? More aware of potential trauma. It makes you hypersensitive to your environment. Just going to say that hypersensitive. And may I add also for the listeners, and you you let me know what your thoughts on it. Trauma, you don't have to actually be present to experience trauma. So going back to what Linton said about texting in the car, just so, say the car literally smashed right through the car in front of it and there's carnage okay that right there of course is trauma you you are in it so after that the person who's the dead person they're in the morgue so now their family wasn't at the scene of the accident but now they're experiencing trauma but they weren't at the accident their trauma from their lo their lost loved one or if somebody heard the accident that's traumatic in itself Yes. Or you, you see what I'm saying? So I want people to know you don't have to actually be there, but trauma can be passed. Just yes. like our ancestors, we didn't experience slavery because we weren't physically there, but there are residual effects of it. Yes. And, and that's, that's 
you know, um, in essence is actually secondary trauma or what mm. someone would call vicarious trauma. You experience really? the trauma through another person as far as, um, you know, as someone could say it's an innocent bystander. An innocent bystander can see an incident or something traumatic happen and they experience that um, as far as a witness. And that's called secondary or vicarious trauma. Mm. So you don't have to you don't have to be the the, the victim of the trauma, but you can be a, a bystander of the trauma and experience the same effects of trauma, which is vicarious or secondary trauma. Wow. Can you explain epigenetics? Ep- epigenetics, basically, you know, it doesn't change the composition of your DNA, but it's called chemical markers, right? I'm going to give you an example just for self-disclosure. Um, I, I suffer from acrophobia. I'm afraid of heights. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm afraid of falling. I'm afraid of both. And when children are born, you know, they're, they're born pretty much a blank canvas. It's what you invest in them. It's what you put in them, what you instill in them. I was at a playground um, and, and, you know, I mentioned earlier that I have twin boys. Mm-hmm. And one of, my, one of my sons was walking across the bridge carefully and just playfully as he could, just as free as a bird. The mm-hmm. second son began to walk and he showed fearfulness. And I said, well, where did that come from? Epigenetics is a marker that can be transferred from child, from, from parent to child. And it, it doesn't necessarily cause any type of intellectual disability or deformity, but the epigenetic piece is a piece of the marker that resounds within the DNA. So it's like the DNA remembers what the traumatic experience was. So it doesn't augment the intelligence. It doesn't augment the ability of the child to function um, at a high level, but it does create certain identity markers that cause that child to whatever you experience to also have a resounding, what I would like to call sometimes thematic trauma. There's a theme in the trauma, right? So if my theme of my life is I'm fearful, that theme is transposed to my child and somewhere down the line, at certain ages, my child will begin to experience fear. Fear from what? Fear from me. That's the generational trauma that has been passed down. I've passed my fear, that epigenetic composition of fear, down to my child. It doesn't have to be fear. You know, some people would say it could be anxiety. It could be feeling lonely. It could be experiencing uh, hypersensitivity to police brutality. And, 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 and that's that's the, pretty much the essence of dealing with the epigenetics. It doesn't change the DNA, you know, but it changed certain quality markers within the DNA of that child. And so I'm, I'm going to give you another example. If let's let's use police brutality, let's let's just use we can date back to slavery, reconstruction period. Jim Crow, sharecropping, civil rights. We can go through any any era, right? And if my father experienced throughout that time, let's say for instance, my great 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 grandfather experienced fear of losing his wife, right? Mm. And all of a sudden, they took they took my great 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 grandfather and they separated them, and they caused them to go separate ways. He lived with the fear of never being able to see her. And the theme, that thematic trauma is the fact that I will lose what's significant to me. And so what would happen, 
the great, great, great father passes down that epigenetic marker of fear to his child. And then it reverberates and echoes to the next child, to the next child. And by the time I come of age, this is the epigenetic chemical marker. And I want and, 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 I, and, I, and I wanted to be careful to say this because what happens, it has to reach a certain stress level. So whatever that stress level was for my great, 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 great grandfather, if I in turn match that stress level, that's where the epigenetic composition come in place. Right. Oh if I get goodness. to the point of that level of stress, then all of a sudden I will begin to fear. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that I'm going to lose something, something significant. Where did that come from? And we wonder where. And I hope I'm not moving too fast. We wonder no. where, where does that trauma come from? Where does that feeling come from? Where does that experience come from? Why do I feel depressed? Why do I feel lonely? I don't know why I'm angry. We ask ourselves these questions. You have to go back a few generations. You are, oh, you are really making so much sense. I forgot this sister's name. She's also a clinician. If you remember her while I tell you this story, please say her name. So she was giving a talk about the markers, as you just mentioned. So she was giving everyone a visual of, mm, there's, um, if you can picture a white mother and her son and a black mother and her son. And so the, the black mother sa says to the white mom, oh, you know, Johnny's doing so good in school. He, they're in just say a STEM program. I don't know. And he's doing well, this, this, this. And the mom says, yeah, actually he is. And you know, he qualified for this. this. Okay. He's, she's talking about it and like acknowledging her son's accolades, his achievements. And then the white mom says, oh, well, what about your son, Brandon? And the mom, this is the black mom, she says, oh, well, he, he, he's okay. You know, he's doing good. But, you know, he just gave me a headache last night. And he just, he's got to do better. And so she's downplaying it. So then this clinician said, if you go back generations and picture the same situation on a plantation field, and then you have Mazza, you know, your boy is doing good. Oh, he's shiftless, sir. And downplaying when the young boy really is doing well. But she, from my understanding, that mom back in the slavery days, she's downplaying her son's achievements because she doesn't want to lose her son. She doesn't want him to be killed or taken away because that's a smart Negro right there. You know, we can't have that. She wants her son, her seed with her. So then if you fast forward back to present day, then you hear the 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 black son is listening to his mom. Like, why isn't my mom giving me accolades of my achievements like Johnny's mom? Mm -hmm. But there's that secret, that unspoken secret. But, you know, about time uh, Brandon is of age, you know, he he's bam, generational trauma. And it goes back to that playing small. Have you heard of that before? That sister literally put chill bumps on my arm. I think that is um, Dr. Joy DeGruy. 
bam, that's her mm-hmm. right there. Yes. yes. And Ooh. and um and, and that is um as <laughs> someone says hi. Um that is um Corinthia. Corinthia. <laughs> and so um I, I think um even with that with trauma and with the reverberating effects of that and epigenetics, um I, I, I kind of was led to an idea of generational trauma in itself. You know, um, one of the things I said is that it is an unwitting hand-me-down of adverse assaults on offspring coined as generational curses. It's a hand-me-down. It sometimes, you know, it's un- unintentional, you know, it's unwitting. And sometimes yeah. it is intentional, you know, where you have a, a parent who may not know better. You know, you, you've heard this expression. Well, you know, I did the best I can. Mama did, you know, the best she could because that's all she knew what to do, you know, because she had limited resources, limited knowledge or or dad. That's all he he did the best he could. Um, and so that 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 generational trauma is is an unwitting hand me down of adverse assaults that causes individuals to suffer from the effects of trauma, you know, just like. We, we mentioned with Jim Crow, just like we mentioned with sharecropping and slavery, the lynching. I can, I can name even some massacres, right? Um, the mm-hmm. Mississippi massacre, the, the Okoye massacre. You have um, the church bombing um, and, and all of those things. You know, you have individuals who actually are living from who are survivors, you know, and just imagine how it changes the cognition. It changes the belief system. And they experience on earth and in this world. And now you have some parents who are helicopter parents. They're overprotective because of their experience of abuse or trauma. They're overprotective because of certain unfortunate situations that occurred to them in their life, things that were traumatic or, you know, distressing and disturbing. And so, but but one of the things I, I definitely would love to provide is, is a, is, is insight on, Different types of trauma. You know, I know we talked about because, you know, we call it generational trauma, but it's interchangeable. It's generational, intergenerational, multi-generational, um, ancestral trauma. You know, just it, it, it can it can interchange. It has so many different names to it. Um, but the, the theme of it is still the same. It's, it's trauma. You know, we've been traumatized, even watching social media when we see young men brutalized. When children are in the car and their children and their fathers are shot, Philando Castile. Castile. Do you know how traumatizing that little baby will be? You know, because of police brutality and the families. You know, it's it's it echoes, it cascades from from parent to parent, from child to pa- parent. Then the child becomes a parent, and that that cognition, which is the belief system or the thought. Right. If I, I'm going to I'm going to I want I love doing examples. I wish I had uh, so an apparatus with me. But just imagine if you're standing at that the, lake. the next episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So just just imagine if you're standing at a lake. This is how trauma is in the generation of the family through the lineage and the lifespan of families. Just imagine I have a pebble. And I'm standing at a lake. If I throw that pebble in that lake, what does it do to the water? It causes ripples. It disturbs the water. Yes. It that's that it disturbs the water, and and I think that's a great analogous because what happens in life, whether it is and it doesn't matter the size of trauma, it doesn't matter how big or how small the abuse or the disturbance is. 
the fact alone that it is a disturbance, it has the propensity to be an effect, right? Mm -hmm. Cause and effect. And so if I have a pebble, I, I, I take that pebble and I throw it in the water, it will cause ripples. If I take a large boulder and I throw it in the water, it does just the same. It causes water to become activated. Just as in the family, certain traumas, regardless of how big or how small, it can activate the effects from the trauma. It's there's a cause and effect. And so I, I don't want to rob the viewers of being able to, to give them a, a little more insight on pre-indicators. What are some of the pre-indicators in families that will give you insight on am I a victim or do I, am I susceptible to trauma? Or am I a victim of trauma? Some of the pre-indicators I would say is, you know, if you are, if your family has been abused, if your mother or your father has been abused, mm -hmm. that's a pre-indicator. You know, if you come from a low socioeconomic status. Excuse me. Can we go back a little bit? Can you give an example? You don't have to go deep in it too, but an example of what kind of trauma that they could, the parent could have experience to make it reverberate. Um, and, and, and I, I'm sorry about that. Yes. I, I know that we always talk about, you know, sexual trauma. We always talk about physical trauma. Let's, I'll do something intangible. Let's just talk about emotional trauma, right? Mm -hmm. um, you take a, a, a young boy or girl, you know, just whatever your imagination chooses. And from that point, you know, that child is always told, you know, you need to be just like your brother. You're ugly. You can do better than that. You're smarter. You know, why did you do that? Always snapping and going rah-rah on your child. And that child begins to always flinch because the behavior of the parent is unpredictable. Sometimes the parent may come in or the parent is an alcoholic parent or the parent may have hypervigilance or frustrated from the job and exhibit displaced anger, right? You're mad at the boss. Displaced anger is basically when you're mad at the boss or the coworker, but you bring it home, you slap the wife hit the child and kick the dog. That's displaced anger, right? So the, yeah. the father has intermittent explosive disorder, IED. And then the, the father continues to always make it hard to live in a household by having everybody walking on eggshells. That child will eventually start struggling and suffering and mm -hmm. having being shell-shocked from when people become violent, been having violence in the home. Or if the, the parents are always arguing and fighting, and all of a sudden it becomes, you know, explosive and violent. That child becomes traumatized. Absolutely. And then I've had clients in some of my sessions that say, well, me and my, my girlfriend, we argue or my significant other or my boyfriend, we argue all the time because that's all I know to do. Because because why? My mama and my daddy, that's all they did. Exactly. That's how I, that's what I saw. That's what I grew up seeing, but there comes a point where where's the self accountability. But mm -hmm. if you don't know, you don't know. Yeah, you don't know, and 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 you know, and a lot of a lot of people will say that um, the reason why the child acts like it was the environment. The environment influences and nature or nurture. You know, it's a combination of both. It's an amalgamation. It's all of it in one. You know, we can't just you know be have have a single mindset 
and thinking that it's just one factor. It's multifactorial causes, right? Um, mm -hmm. It could be the fact that that child may not have enough food to eat. It could be the fact that the parent is starving the child. The parent is always angry at the child or the mother has an issue with the dad or the dad has an issue with the mother. Now, the parents are taking it out on the child, which is called triangulation. Uh, we may have to do another one of these because I'm loaded with a lot of information that yes. I, I think will be helpful for a lot of viewers. <laughs> and so, but wait, man, I have a question though. So, is triangulation the same as relationship trauma? Uh, no, actually, parents? that that would be you know um, triangle drama, right? The, the the drama triangle. You know, that's the drama triangle. But triangulation basically is when you have one parent trying to butter up the child to be on that parent's side to be against the other parent. Mm. So for instance, the father is trying to seek favor for the child to distance the mother because the father is at odds with the mother. So that he's trying to get the trying to get that kid on his team so he can be against the mother or the vice versa with the mother and the child can be against the father. So that's the triangulation concept. And how can it not trickle down to the child? There's no way that it cannot. I just the, there's I just don't see it. I don't see it. I don't the see child, it. The, the child is always affected, no matter what, right? Because because there's there's a thing called um um it, it's somewhat of inattentiveness, right? The child may not be focused, but the child is always a sponge. The Ooh. child is 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 always looking because their receptors are open. They're looking to hear, to see, to do, to emulate, to echo, to reciprocate, and to be a carbon copy of the parent. Because the parent is the authority figure that has to model the behavior. And if that child is emulating that, then it rubs off on the child because the parent is the greatest influence in the in the most sensitive developmental ages of the child. Between the age of, of, of two to six, the parent is the most influential component and proponent in that child's life. And those are the most formidable years, the most formidable years of a child. And some things that children are exposed to can't be unseen, can't be undone, and cannot be erased. It becomes a part of that child's makeup, even the effects of trauma. Yes, and I believe, you, you let me know that I believe some people including myself, have experienced so much trauma, childhood trauma, that it's literally second nature. I guess that's that marker you were talking about. And you don't you don't even realize, like, look, that you're emotionally shut down. There's a reason why, you know, or if you have a parent that is verbally and or emotionally abusive, then you're right. You, you shut down. You have nothing to say. Yes. Or getting cussed out like that's second nature and mm -hmm. not good. May I read some comments? Yes, 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 please. Wow, I, I'm just, and I apologize to everybody who's listening that I was so involved in the conversation. I'm gonna have to scroll all the way up. So, Lynn, she said, Dr. Gruy, I can't, how do you pronounce her last name? Dr. DeGruy. Some people De say DeGruy, DeGruy. Mm -hmm. grew, her information was so powerful in our memory DNA. Yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. And Cynthia said, unaddressed generational trauma continues to cripple brown communities. Mm -hmm. And Simone says, yes, please do more of these videos. So <laughs> I 
I guess you got to come back. Hey, Simone, we saw you on our on our Instagram pregame show. Hey, girl. And Simone also said, <laughs> see, that's a lot with the baby mama and baby daddy on bad terms. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank yes. you all for your comments. And if anybody else, if you have questions for Linton, please, this is the time right now. He he knows what he's talking about. So fill up, fill up, flood the comment lines. So <sighs> there's so much to impact. And, you know, we didn't even get to the other slides. I want to, but <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> we can keep going. Oh, my God. So mm, where do I go from here? What were you about to say? Well, I, I know I, I, I kind of did a, uh, a precursor to talk about factors, pre-indicators, right? Yes. Um, people who are, are, and when I say pre-indicators, is who are predisposed to um, the effects of trauma. And, and some of that, and I'm just going to list, range down from um, those parents who have been abused. Poverty is a pre-indicator of potential trauma, as well as uh, being on the, the low spectrum or low, low end of the so- low social economic status. Lack of education, right? The educational system. Lack of exposure. Not having enough to see, not having um, options, you know, at your fingertips or being able to access options um, as well as um, there are protective factors, too. You know, I don't I don't I know I don't want to just kind of be a little melancholy um, and dour to talk about just the negative parts. But I think that it's important to kind of help people to gain awareness, to see exactly what are the pre-indicators? Am I susceptible? Am I a victim of it? Did it happen in my family? Um, and so some of the some some of them, yes, you know, if if you've ever, uh, as you mentioned, if you have if you've ever been hit with a switch, you know, just think about where that came from. You're being beaten with a part of nature, not just to to not just to correct you, but to punish you, right? I'm being whipped. I'm being beaten. And then even the term itself, beat. Come here, I'm going to beat you. What do what do other families say? The, our contrasting families. I'm going to pop you. I'm going to spank you. The vernacular, right? The vernacular, the ideology of it, the history of it comes from the times of slavery, the historical exactly. accounts. Exactly. Because a switch is just a modified whip. A so, cat so- of nine tails. And that's and that's 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 exactly the the echoing effect of trauma. It, it causes us to adopt certain vernacular, certain belief systems, the way we see the world, right? Because because our great 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 greats were beaten, right? And so all of a sudden they say, "Come here, boy, I'm gonna beat you," and then we pass that vernacular down. The trauma, the trauma, just not in the doing, but it comes out in language. Hmm. It, the trauma is also in the language, not just because the language comes from the cognition. And if we have been somewhat Can you explain what, to the listeners, what cognition means? I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, cognition basically is your thought process, how you think, your belief system, how you view the world. Um, mm-hmm. Because if if I think I'm, I'm going to give you an example, if, if dealing with the cognitive part, when I work with my clients, a lot of their relationships and belief system come from how they think. How do you think? How you, do you view the world? What is your outlook on relationships? 
And in your relationship, the reason why some people, I'm going to give you a prime example. I do it this way because that's how my daddy taught me to do it with women. My daddy always told me that all women are the same. Or my mama always told me all men are the same. That's what hmm. she believed. All men, all men are dogs. Yeah, you know good. that's the, because that's what that's what because the mother or the father experienced emotional trauma. That trauma echoed throughout the body. It affected the neurological system, caused them to think a certain way. It hit a switch, caused them to think a certain way. Mm-hmm. Now I'm thinking in a distorted way. I think now because that man dogged me out and the second man dogged me out and the third man dogged me out, all men are, huh, switch has been clicked on, all men are dogs. Now I'm going to teach my daughter how to get this money, how to get the bag, not trust the man, and just say all men are dogs. That's the cognition. That's the way of the thinking. And so... um. With, with that, that's the cognitive part. And so it, it's been handed down. Um, I, I know you got it. There was a comment that had just came in. I exactly. had a, uh, I, I call her my, my Zoom mate, uh, Lakeisha. Hey, Lakeisha. <laughs> hey, Zoom mate. I'm going to read Zoom mates. Uh, okay. I'm going to read her comment. She said, what do you think the first step is for introducing this topic to old school families? That is a very good. Hey, that is a very good question because I know um, a lot of a lot of older generations. You know, we say they're stuck in their ways. You know, and 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 and, and I will say this: sometimes they can be extremely intransigent, right? Unmovable. They they if they, they don't want to change, they are stubborn. They don't want to, you know, be receptive to any new school teaching. You know, and and I think the the safest and the best way. Um, to actually introduce this to a family member who's who's old school and is stuck in their ways is to get them to begin to talk about their ways, you know, because uh, because but it's Big Mama, um, Madeir. I don't know what other terms Southerners say. Grandma, uh-huh. Mama. Well, are they really going to talk about it? See, but they the thing is, is yeah, yeah, and and a lot of them won't, you know, and and but I I think mm-hmm. that you know. It, it, the conversation won't cause them to change their thought process overnight, but at least it'll get them to be able to begin to talk about what their experience is and what the trauma, not necessarily the trauma. They might they may not even talk about the trauma. They'll probably talk all around it. Cause I know even with my dad, you know, he didn't talk about things that happened when he grew up. He didn't talk about his childhood experience. You know, he only talked about selective portions. And I think, you know, to be able to, someone said, uh, yeah, honor their story mm-hmm. first. Yeah. And so, I, and I think it, it, it starts with a healthy dose of curiosity, you know, ask them questions. Well, you know, times are changing, grandma or Mima or Nana or big mama or pop pop. Times are changing. Tell me about how, how things were, because right now they're telling us this, that and the other. Right. Mm-hmm. And so t- tell me about sometimes what happened, you know, in your in your brain, your, your, your bringing up and your growing up, because what that will do as they begin to open up and talk they begin to talk about the vulnerabilities. And as they begin to talk about their vulnerabilities, it I wouldn't say that the smart thing to do is to try and be that nemesis or that counterpart to challenge them, but to say, you know what? Be an advocate and be an ally and say, but you know what they're saying? This is what they're doing now. 
What do I you love think? it. Because what that does is it's it's just a kickstarter. You're giving them a starter kit to just begin to talk about that. And then you're bringing in the new school concepts, not to change them, but to get them to begin to mull it over, to think about it, right? And it may, and it may, and you, and because right now, you know, you have to, I think it's important to identify your role. You know, are you the, are you the planter? Are you the waterer? Or are you one to pluck up the root? And you may not be that person. And so I think it's important to identify your role in having those conversations with them because you just, you just, you just, that's what you're doing. You just creating a starter kit. Let somebody I else come love in. Starter kit. Let somebody else come in and also, and, and what will may happen if you can find an advocate who can be the the nucleus, right? Because for the most part, older older generation, we don't know nothing. We they still call us babies. We in our forties. <laughs> We're in our forties, well, and they right. say our thirties, forties, right? And they call us babies. So what you have to do, you have to get somebody that is equal to their age, that have experienced that, but has a more liberal thought process. Who can think along the lines and be your advocate and say, "Well, no, no, wait a minute now, Ethel. Wait a minute now. They, this, this Junebug on to something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Ray Ray, 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 hitting something now. I, 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 I remember that. And so, <laughs> but, but that's how it is, you know, because, because if you, if you're planning on taking that topic head on with that seasoned, experienced, traumatic carrier, that person is is a trauma carrier. What can you tell them? So it takes somebody who's been there to be able to say, hold on, let's match wit, let's match wounds. I can tell you something different because I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, and we can share stories. Now let me interject this young bug's information to kind of help you change your thought process. So you need an advocate. I love it. That That is genius. It's it's, it's tough to take it head on. And, you know, I'm really glad you said that because I never thought about it like that. And that's a great way as a conversation starter, because once, like I I say in the beginning of my my pods, once you can identify the issue is when you can start to heal. Yes, yes. And that's perfect. And um, that's a good segue. Let me read a comment. Uh, Lakeisha said that she loves it. Uh, the starter kit she's talking about. And Chantel said, that's good. Chantel, I love your last name. (laughs) (laughs) And Lori said, not just their age group, but someone willing to speak it. That's a very good point. That's a very good point because there are a lot who are not willing to talk about it. Um, No, they're not. May I give an example? Yes, please. So I have to be very careful with my words. So <laughs> a while ago, I was at a relative's house and there was an older relative and there was just conversation. Go- and, and my mother was there. They're going to kill me. So <laughs> the conversation, I won't say what it was, but in my mind, the Dates and times were not adding up. So I didn't know, I didn't have the starter kit as you talked about. So I just asked right in front of everyone. I was careful with my words, but I just asked because you know what? Let me just say this. There was no fluff 
there was no fluff job in the beginning. It was just like, hey, what, what is this? Meanwhile, my mother is kicking me under the table, <laughs> meaning like, shut the F up, Ursula. <laughs> That's what that was. And you know, I could hear it. <clears throat> so I played small. I asked him one more question and then I just retreated because I didn't want to hear it later. And now 2020, I don't have the answer to that question. Mm. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and that's what happened. That's, 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 that, that takes us right back to those who may be opposing to or stubborn or refusing you. Know, they, 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 you, they're having that intransigent moment where they don't want to face it or talk about it because it could, it could expose certain things in them, right? Certain pains, or it could bring them in a situation to where they may have been a party to the issue. Right. You know, they may have played a part in it. Um, but oh. but those those are some of those those pre-indicators, right? Another pre-indicator is silencing. Silencing the speaker. When you want to talk about <laughs> things, when you want to resolve things as a as an individual, but then you have the naysayers, the crowd telling you to sh- uh-uh, sh- shut up, uh, kicking you under the table, pulling your proverbial coattail, telling you, uh-uh, girl, sh- uh, d- shutting you down and shutting you out, right? Those are some of those pre-indicators um, to let you know that you could be struggling or being in a family who are um, suffering from the effects of trauma. They are mm-hmm. also protectors, you know, exposure, um, having having healthy engagement. Right. Those are the protective factors to protect you from moving forward, suffering from trauma or healing from trauma, communication, talking about it, having I heard somebody say, you know, now I don't want to have the easy talks to make it sound fluff, but I want to have the hard, hard talks to make me grow. You know, um, because there was. (laughs) Yes, the hard talks will make you grow. And that that hit me in the chest the way you said it, though. How You know, I've heard it in different ways, but the way you said that. Wow. And there was a there was a there was a young lady who said this. Um, Her name is um, Tabitha Pamira Kaguri. She said trauma that is not transformed is trauma transferred. Trauma that is not transformed. And what by, by transform, I want to kind of provide insight to that. If, if you're not healing from it, if you're not going on the road of recovery, if you're not in the place of being able to rectify or reconcile, then it is going to be transferred down to yours, your, your offspring. Again, it's a hand-me-down. Trauma is a hand-me-down. And what we call trauma, these are generational curses. I know every Black family Mostly every black family has said, I don't know, this seemed like, you know, my family curse. There's a generational curse. You know, that, like, I, I wish I could break this cycle, this generational curse. What are those generational curses? We don't know what they are. You know what I think they are? This is just coming from Linton. I think these, these curses could be traumatic experiences that have happened throughout the family that we cannot seem to break because we don't want to address the issues. Yeah. You know, yeah. a, a prime example, incest, right? We've also had abuse. My dad was an alcoholic, so my 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 brother was an alcoholic, and then all of a sudden, why is this kid, you know, missing a bridge on his nose or having that that disposition on his countenance? Um, mm-hmm. you know, fetal alcohol syndrome. So these these things, the the, the trauma shows up physically as well. Oh it is not just it is not just tangible or intangible. 
you know, again, I'm sorry, it's not just intangible, but it's also tangible. It shows up in our well-being and in our behavior. And it can cause depression. It can cause anxiety. It can cause becoming socially withdrawn. It can cause PTSD, right? And so Mm. being able to talk about those things and to get in the groove of healing is is, is the process to start. At least have the conversation, begin to talk about it. But because it's so taboo, you know, we don't want to rough feathers. But but by not roughing feathers, right? This I'm man. Someone said this. If everything around you, you're trying to make peaceful, what will happen is it will become a tornado inside of you. Yes. If I want, if if I'm trying to create external peace, then it's causing internal chaos. That goes back to what you said earlier about the soda can. And shaking, there's that tornado. Uh, May I um, interject and read a comment from Quita? She said, oh, free gems. Oh, (laughs) Quita. Hey, Quita. (laughs) She hit it right there, free gems. And Lakeisha said, uh, my grandma, can you read that? Because my glasses are across the room. Yes, it says, uh, uh, from Lakeisha, it says, my grandmother had her first child at 14, um, her mom at 18, and also me at 16. I was determined to break that cycle, starting with my children. And that is another cycle of a curse. It is. It that, is. That's another cycle. And it, and it's nothing to be um, discounted about because it's the reality and it's the normal, but we don't talk about it. You know, you go to a church and what I experienced a client telling me is that when she was 14 years old and she had a baby, the church put her right in the center of the altar and all yes. of the elders and all of the ushers began to chastise and give her verbal assaults. You know, that's traumatic. Trauma. That is trauma. And, and, yes. And so and that's that's and that is pretty much the wavelength and the pattern of trauma that cascades to one generation to the next. It's a hand-me-down having, you know, that, that cycle of where, you know, my mom had a baby early. So now all of a sudden, and then what happens, th- those pre-indicators, it affects you ed- in education. It affects you in income. It affects mm. you in relationship status. It affects the whole psychosocial dynamic of your being. Everything about you is, is, is impacted, not to a detriment, but it has its effects, right? There are ways to overcome and to pursue and to, to counter those those moments where it has been unfortunate for you. There are ways to do that. Um, another one Another one is you look just like your daddy. Now, I want to go from talking about phenotype and genotypes. You know, phenotype um, starts with the, with the pH. It's basically the physical aspect of a person. That's when we say, oh, boy, you look like your daddy. Girl, you know, you look like your auntie, right? That's, 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 that's cyclical. That's generational. Those are the physical parts. Um, mm-hmm. And so the genotype is the type that you can't see dealing with the type of hair, the follicles or how the, how the things that are underneath the surface dealing with the genes, those epigenetics and those, you know, markers of the chemical markers and things like that. And so uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about regarding the phenotype and the genotype, we don't talk about, you know, the impairments. Right. And so. Working with some of my clients, I used to work in kid in uh, kid acute. I used to work in um, in inpatient care 
where we have to work with clients who are suffering from schizophrenia, bipolar, uh, a myriad of maladies such as depression, anxiety, some of the high functioning and low functioning um, aspects of, um, of, of mental illness. And um, we would always ask in the assessment, does anyone in your family suffer a struggle with a mental illness? Bipolar, schizophrenia, those are compositions of illnesses that can be passed down to generation to generation. Right. It's, it, it's, 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 you know, something that can be inherited. And so, but we don't talk about, one of the things we don't talk about is the depression and the anger and why you're so mad. And we wonder why our kid's mad for no reason. What is wrong right. with that boy? He just mad and slamming doors. Oh, his daddy was just like that. There you go. Well, okay, well, why was his dad like that? Because his dad was like that. We're going back three generations. There's a thing, and I want to preference this. There's a thing called the genogram or genogram, depending on where you're from. If you're from the north, you probably say genogram. If you're from genogram. the south, you probably say genogram. You put a little slur on it. <laughs> and so this thing, which is the, the genogram, basically is... A and I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I'm sorry, but this genogram basically is a digital footprint of a family tree, and in that genogram, it goes back three to four generations. And with that genogram, what Excuse is the picks? Is that the same yeah. as the marker? Uh, no, it's different because what 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 happens? The it could be a psychiatrist, psychologist, or any kind of clinician, right? What they would do, they would go on using this apparatus and they would formulate the dynamics of the family um they would actually start with let, i'm gonna take myself i'm gonna use myself as the guinea pig um i would take myself i would start with me the male would be the square and the woman would be the circle so they would okay. take myself they would draw the line to my wife who is the circle and then they would go up to you know up even oh. further to my next generation my mom yeah. and dad then they would stem the breast going from my mom and dad and address my maternal my mom's mom and dad. Then they would go to the paternal. My dad's mom and dad. So they would go about three or four generations. And what they would cipher out are certain de uh, defects and malfunctions and issues, such as who died from cancer. What was that relationship like? Was it rigid? Was it diffuse? Was there anybody who struggled with any kind of dis dis disengagement? Or was there an enmeshment in that family? So we take all of those things and we look at the, the interaction the psychosocial experiments or experience that they've had. We also address the type of relationship dynamic that those individuals had with one another. Then we take it deeper and look at the biological factors as far as who died early. Was there a child that was stillborn? And in that, did anybody suffer from cancer, diabetes, hypertension? Those are other generational trauma curses. So we were trying to find out what are the curses the curses are right in front of your face. If mama died of cancer, mama and mama died of cancer, mama, mama, mama died of cancer, then there's a generational curse there that is traumatic because you know what happens? When someone dies in the family, you grieve. If everybody bring chicken and mashed potatoes and peas to the funeral and leave you after two days after the funeral, you sit there to soak in the grief. Yeah. The grief transitions and transposes, and I want to say it augments, it intensifies into what? Depression. You're depressed for four, five, 10, 15, 20 years, persistent depression. That depression plays a part in your children's life. Well, mama was depressed, daddy was depressed, and so now the child is wondering, why am I moody? 
Because when I'm happy, mommy shut me down and make me sit down and shut up and be quiet because she's depressed. So that oh mood swing and that maladaptive behavior is cascaded down to the child. And now you're wondering why your child acting up in school because they never got a chance to go to therapy to resolve the grief from mama from the depression that mom experienced because of the death of mama that had the cancer. Now mama got cancer because she's depressed and stressed and her cortisol level does not regulate the stress. Oh my God. So it, it's not, it's, still on it's, point. It's, so it's not just, it's not just clinical, but it's biological, psychosocial, it's neurological. So it's all of these factors that it's amalgamation that makes up the person. So we're, we're convoluted with a lot of complexities. And it's not just depression in itself, right? Um, it could be anger. It could be anger, right? Let me tell yeah. you, man. Can I interject? I was listening to this this brother. He is a he is a diagnosed narcissist, mm. but he's a self aware. Well, he got an argument with his wife, and he's angry. I mean, it, it's horrible. She got in an argument, and one time she's like, "It's hard dealing with you being a narcissist." He ended up going to therapy. Mm. He found out he is diagnosed. So Did now he's narcissistic. He's a narcissistic. He is a narcissist. You're not talking about that 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 Jackson dude, are you? No, <laughs> I know. I'm you just joking. That a video boy. of yourself. A video of a video of yourself. That's narcissism. A trait, a feature. Yeah. <laughs> Huge. That boy. Don't even get me started on him. But yes, yes. but not him. So. Anyway, once he's going to therapy and he's telling his therapist, hey, now I'm thinking about it. I'm acting like my father. And that goes back to what you're saying. His father was angry, arguing all the time, and it pretty much shut all the kids down. He was emotionally detached from his family. So now this brother, he's like, I'm going to go on Ancestry.com and see what's going on with my dad's dad. Comes down to it that it was dated everything at just say September 25th at 8.05 a.m. The grandfather went into the bed, the bathroom, boom, shot himself in the head while his family is in the kitchen. The next room. Wow. So wow. this is the man talking about his grandfather. So then who's to say what was the grandfather going through when the grandfather was a child? So mm -hmm. I see what you're talking about with the general. What is it? The the genotypes? The, the genogram? Genogram, well, excuse me. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and see, and that's that's the thing, Ursula, is that you know, we talk about um tangible things. As far as when my boys get older, there are some things I want to hand down to them that are tangible. You know, I would yeah. love to give them, you know, we give our kids uh, necklaces and rings and things like that. These these heirlooms. Right. Um, a woman uh, or mother would give her daughter the wedding ring or a wedding dress or they would give them. Well, baby, get pearls. You know, they, they, they hand these things down to their children. But what we don't talk about are the invisible heirlooms. Right. The dysfunction. Dysfunction is an heirloom that we can hand down to our children. We always talk about various heirlooms such as, um, oh, I want to, I want my child to have this trunk, or I want my I want my kid to have this blanket, or or, or great grandma want us to have to pass the dishes, or you know, the, the china set down, 
You know, so they can keep that in the family or get this, this curio, a baby I always had in the family. I went, well, what else has been in the family besides the curio, besides the dishes, you know, besides the jewelry and those things? What else is in the family that's an heirloom that we are nose blind to, you know, because some of us can be nose blind to a lot of things within ourselves and within the family that mm. we are too afraid to to neutralize. And so. Some of those things that, that we're nose blind to is, is you know, or, or, or that our heirlooms are, again, the dysfunctions, such as um, secrets, taboos, the curses, um, the, the, the frustration, the depression, and, and um, just the incense, all of those things. These, these are dysfunctions that we hand down that are heirlooms to the next generation or to our offspring, and they're left with the residue or the breadcrumb, and they have to find ways to pick up the pieces. Mm. without a clue because we don't want to talk about it we don't right. want to go to therapy we don't want to be the one that say okay baby you know what you right it was me i'm the one that separated us from the family i'm the one that stopped seeing this uncle and that uncle and i moved us to way across the state because i was mad at this one or i built a mcdonald's across the street because i was mad at burger king so we go and relocate <laughs> and be in competition with other family members when all of a sudden now there's this thing that's called disengagement, right? We're disengaged with family. And all of a sudden we wonder why we got cousins way in New York and we yeah. live way in the South because Uncle Bob got mad at cousin JJ because he slept with this person or they got into a fight or got into a knife fight and mama got sick because she was heartbroken and died. She died of a broken, Ooh. broken heart. Wow. And nobody ever talks about, well, why did uncle so-and-so kill uncle so-and-so? And I'm wondering why I got family way in Florida, but I got family in New York too. And both of them are named Raya or Hester or Jason or Jackson. You know those black names. <laughs> Jackson Johnson. <laughs> Jenkins. <laughs> Jay Jenkins. And we know that. And so th those, those are the curses. And, you know, and we're wondering why, um, you know, I, and I, I'm not really like I don't really subscribe to um, being hyper religious or anything. But, you know, this thing said, give us this day our daily bread. Right. Sometimes mm -hmm. we're given the bread. But we don't recognize that it's our bread. It's given to you already. Give us this day our daily bread. We're praying for it, asking for it. But when it falls in your lap, you don't want to eat it. <laughs> That's not that mine, but you prayed and asked for it. You wanted the generational curse to be broken. You wanted to be able to do better. You wanted to be able to move forward and heal. But all of a sudden, you've been praying and asking for that type of bread. But when it lands in your lap, uh-uh, I ain't want that. I don't eat wheat bread. Right. I don't it's eat white bread. The hard conversations, it's uncomfortable. It's going to hurt. But they're so necessary if it's important to anyone who wants to to cease that generational curse. It's all about taking that first step. Be that champion to do that. Oh my God, there's so many comments I want to read. Um, I thank you okay. all. I'm Shanta. sorry, I'm running off. I'm sorry. No, I'm loving this. You know what? If you all want Hester to come back. <laughs> There was a lot more I have to unpack. I just, I hadn't even really got into the meat and potatoes, but I think that it's, you know, That's I know you got to do your comments. So I'm going to, I'm going to oh. be silent for right now.
No, 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 no. Well, I will. I want to just show that graph. I'm wondering if I should show it next time. You know, the one with the three tiers. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. So, and it's a good segue. Um, someone said, I think it was Chantel. She asked, so how can the cycle be broken? So I'm going to show you all a graph, which is beautiful. And Linton is going to answer that question. And while he answers that question, I'm going to pull up the graph so that people <clears throat> can get a visual of it and what it looks like. So Linton, how can the cycle be broken as we start to wrap up or press I, pause until okay. the next? <laughs> I, I think that you know one of the one of the ways the cycle can be broken or can be attacked is being able to acknowledge where you are in that generational curse, right? It's all about awareness. How are you affected? That's the first thing. And 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 not only that, but what identifying what has been the theme in your life? What has been the theme of trauma? What has been the theme of issues and problems? And the reoccurring challenges that has been in your life, right? Identifying mm -hmm. that. Some people have a theme of, I feel, I feel lonely. I feel depressed. So you have to go with the reoccurring theme that has been resonating in your life. What's been showing up? What has been most consistent mm -hmm. um, that, has, that has caused you to live that maladaptive life, you know, um, and, 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 and begin to investigate. That's the first thing you have to you have to acknowledge. Right. Acknowledge what's been happening in your family, the things that are hard to face, the things that are hard to talk about and acknowledge that. Go back into your your generations. Look at the roots. Look at the, the divisions, the dissensions. Look at the, the. And as I mentioned earlier in, in the in this on this platform, I say, look at the thematic traumas. What has been the theme or the resounding sound in your life? Right. You have to look at that. And then you have to do your own investigation because right. keep in mind that just because it is your time and your moment to 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 kind of pull back that proverbial rug and look at all the dirt that is mounted up doesn't mean it's it's everybody else's time to join in on that wagon. You know, so you may be a lone ranger. It may just be you who's inquiring and curious. Um, the third step is, is have a healthy dose of curiosity. You know, uh, and, and, and be prepared for the unexpected. Be prepared because there may be some family members who may be against it, who may go against the current of your inquisitions. Um, mm. And, you know, you, and you may be even be you may even become trepidatious about it, uncertain. And so, you know, acknowledge it. Do your own investigation. Identify the theme that's been, you know, circulating in your life. What has been that theme? Um, if you have questions of saying, um, why do I always, why do I feel, where did that come from? Those are things, you know, that's, that's, that's pulsating in your life. That's trying to get your attention, you know, and it, and it could be the very case to say, Hey, you're the one that's supposed to be the, mm -hmm. the activator to try to break this curse. You're the one, you know, you are the cavalry. You Sometimes are the chosen you, one. You are the chosen one, you yes. know, and then. And, and, and in that, too, you have to you have to find your own wisdom. I think that's important to come to self-actualization and be strong enough to be strong enough. You know, um, you have to be strong enough to be strong enough because you're going to get some kickback. You're going to get some lag. You're going to get family members who say, uh-uh, boy, don't you open up Pandora's box. 
Uh, well, why, why are you asking that? Why do you want to know? And so, you know, you have to you have to do your own investigation, be strong enough to be strong enough. And you really have to um, be able to come into your own wisdom, you know, and, and, and I cannot say this enough. Seek out a therapist. Right. Because it's the therapist's job to help you explore um, territories that you have not explored before. You know, it's uncharted. It's uncharted terrain. You've never really, you know, delved into it, gotten into it. So you have to have that support and you have to have that soundboard to be able to have that outlet. Because if not, you know, you're going to you're going to eat it up. You're going to implode. And, and it may cause some corrosion within your own life, um, some dissension and some separation from family. So you have to be again, you know, one of the things I would say that would not what what would not be revealed would never be healed. Oh, you know, if, if 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 it cannot be revealed, it cannot be healed. So you can't always allow it to fester in the dark because even fungus grows in the dark. Wow. And so um, wow. I, I hope I was able to answer your question to some degree, um, but it, it starts with you. You know, um, it, it starts there. You know, some of us. We don't realize the potential and strength that we have. And it's just to take a, just to go out on that limb. And mm -hmm. once, like I said before, it, it will be uncomfortable in everything that Linton said, but we are resourceful people. We are mm -hmm. beyond magical. And I'm yes. talking about melanated people. Take our power yes. back. Yes. Oh yes. Yeah, I exactly. Simone, she said she reiterated what you said. Even fungus grows in the dark. Uh, Woo. Yes. yes. Yeah, that sis, that hit my yeah. soul too. My God. You know, you know, God bless you and your wife with the children, your seeds. This is the what I envision. This is what a secured attached family looks like mm. you you have some kings right there boy that's a blessing <laughs> i love that i don't even know Thank them you. and i applaud these young kings in the making god bless you and your wife that's Thank what you. we Thank need you. more of and it's, it's not too late for any of us even if you no, don't have a family even if you're a, a single person it's never too late to work on your personal development. Never. You're right. You're right. Oh. You're right. So um, I'm going to put that graph up just so, again, so people can see what it looks like when, as a matter of fact, this is a good segue because, you know, you talked about, and I'm looking at the first generation, you talked about your father, and then you have you as a second generation and talking about you and your wife's young kings that you are raising the third mm -hmm. generation. And this is what yes. it looks like right there. Yes. Yes. And, and it, yeah. It's a, it's a snowball effect. You know, if, if, if you imagine a, uh, in the mountains, right. And when that snowball begins to, to roll, it cascades down the hill and it, and it happens fast, right. You have really no time to react. And so in, in this illustration, um, it says the first generation experiences abuse and trauma at various levels, varying levels, right? In many aspects of life. And so that it's not just emotional. It's not just financial. It's, it's not mm. just, you know, um, the things that are tangible. But these, these are intangible traumas as well, things that you can't see, things you cannot put your hands on. And it says that the, the experiences go unchecked 
And that is one of the key markets there when you don't really acknowledge or you don't you move from would you say in a place of contemplation rather than actuation? You know, and so you have to start beginning making making moves towards um, the healing process and not allow the trauma to go unchecked. Um, and it's coded. It's coded in the genes. We talked about that epigenetics. We talked about it being, you know, in 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 the area of your emotions and how your kids respond and react, um, because these are, again, of invisible wounds that are passed on to your children. And then from mm-hmm. that, it, you know, in the second tier, it talks about the second generation. Um, and the second generation is aware of the generational trauma and the dysfunctions because they see it in the parent. Mm. But but how do I how do I combat, you know, being like my mama? Because I heard some people say, I don't want to be like my mama. I don't want to be like my daddy. And so w- there was a wise woman who who told me before, and I have to give her give her credit. Her name is you know Michelaine Sims, um, my, my lovely aunt, um, mm. who I've I've been privileged to be adopted into the family. She said, "You become what you despise. Ooh. You become what you despise." Um, the thing that you hate the most, you know, let's say for instance, you have a father and a son, the father is mad at the son. So he stopped talking to the son. You know what the son does? He stopped talking to the dad. So he right. distanced himself from the son. He distanced himself from the father. So he, be- he's becoming the very thing he despised. Wow. The son is becoming just like the father. And so with that, that goes you know, back. Genera- excuse me. That goes back to on the right side of that gener- the second generation unconsciously repeats the generational trauma patterns. Wow. Yes. Yes. These are patterns, and those patterns, and I like to call them those reactionary patterns, right? They're dysfunctional. Um, and and if you know anything about dysfunction, dysfunction is basically something that's abnormal, something that is detrimental. It's like an illness or a sickness. So you have to look at the 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 pattern of sickness that's happening in your family. And that pattern mm-hmm. is hand, handed down. It's, it, it doesn't come in the form of a cough. It doesn't come in the form of flu, but it comes in the form of anger, frustration, neglect, not being an absent dad, being a mother who is probably promiscuous, you know, bringing in other men in the house. And all of a sudden that pattern of dysfunction, the daughter brings up. And then all of a sudden the daughter becomes a stripper. She becomes promiscuous. She mm-hmm. hates herself. You know, and so all of those internal factors and she ends up, I'll say this proverbially, she ends up internally bleeding. Right. She she, she, she suffers from an emotional hemorrhage. She's hemorrhaging emotionally. And the same goes with the son. I, I put out a post and said that, you know, sons also need warm love. They don't just need hard lessons and 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 a stiff hand. They need warm love, too. Because what you do as a father and what you do as a father, if you're so hard on your son that you tell him that he should not have any any chinks or kinks in the armor, you're causing him to build quite the tolerance to be intolerable. Wow. And you're making him unemotionally unavailable for not just his wife. But also, or for his his husband, I mean, you know, the way times are flying these days, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're very inclusive. So I don't want to eliminate, you know, the, the dynamics of all parts of, of a family. And so right. that person becomes emotionally unavailable for wife, and then he becomes emotionally unavailable for his children. Wow. And so that, that, that dysfunctional pattern, you know, we want yeah. to be mindful of the dysfunctional pattern, which is toxic. It creates toxic relationships. Toxic entanglement, coalitions, triangulation, enmeshment, 
pseudo hostility, pseudo mutuality, all of these things, right? And then for the next generation, the third tier says more likely to choose healthy relationships because after a while, the trauma begins to wane and it moves from being surface trauma to insidious trauma. Oh man, that was fresh off the press. It becomes. Ooh, I felt that, brother. It, I felt it. it. I felt it, it. It transformed from being tangible, obvious trauma to insidious trauma. I got something going on in me and I don't know what it is. I can't put a finger on it. I don't know. It's insidious. It grows inside of you. And all of a sudden, eventually, it will manifest and then it will begin to affect your relationships. And we wonder why, like, I don't know, for some reason, I just. Man, I just I got this urge. I just want to sleep with other women. I got this mm-hmm. urge where, you know, I just I don't want to be with him. I just feel this this I feel strange because it's insidious. It's a trauma that has been reverberated, that is echoed, and that is cascaded down to you through epigenetics. Oh my god. <laughs> Man, I'm telling oh. you, I could talk to you literally for hours. In hours, oh my God! You know, I just appreciate you for giving me the opportunity to 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 lend my voice to this topic. I I am very grateful for it because yeah. we don't get a chance to talk about it in the open space like this. And because you have this platform, you know, we have a voice to put it out there in the world. And and yeah. I, I definitely appreciate that. Oh my God! I am very grateful and honored that you said yes. You know, it's just something about your aura. I never, we never met like physically face to face, but I felt it through that post. Remember on Instagram, on the DMV? Yes, yes on Dion's page. Yes, <laughs> yes. What are they talking about? Let me let's see what he's a. And there you go. That's how spirit works. I really believe that. I know it. I feel it here. And, um, Things happen for reasons, not a coincidence. And yes. for you to share your knowledge, that that is a, a ah, Celeste, wow. Celeste, the therapist. She says she loves this conversation. I got a chance to listen to Celeste when you had her on. Um forgive me for for not being able to <laughs> her on twice yes I'll, I'll oh my goodness yes Isn't she I, amazing? I mean i mean a wealth of knowledge a wealth of of information and just that 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 you know that that essence of who she is just actually just really emanated from from the screen so i was awesome how you doing celeste <laughs> she is fucking amazing like for <laughs> she is I'll tell you offline. I mentioned it on her show, but I'm going to tell you how we connected. But yeah, I've gone literally, I binged on all mm, now about 75% of her episodes Mm. and it's authentic. It's real. That's like how she was from when she first started. She, yeah, she, she got it going on right here and here. Beautiful spirit. So we're going to wrap it. Mm -mm. We'll wrap it up, but we're just pressing, pressing pause on this because I know a lot. I mean, while we're talking, I had to turn my phone off because it was buzzing and I took a peek at it. So people are, <laughs> these are just, okay. my, yep. These are my text messages that people are asking about you. 
Oh, wow. Wow. Well, I, I appreciate that. You know, and, and, I, and I'm going to just kind of be very concise to say this, that I, I, I love, you know, and I know they label us as the BIPOC community, but I love our, our people. I love our family of yeah. community. And that's one of the reasons why I got into therapy, um, because I did not see a lot of us. And there is a need to be able to to heal from that, because, you know, I think that with all of the police brutality, all of the, the ambiguity that's out there because, you know, news outlets have a way of tricking us with verbiage and, and saying things that we don't really mean. And I think that we need to have people that look like us that can communicate to us. Um, I mean, from mm -hmm. sectors of the judicial system to the political system, to the clinical system, the medical system, we need us out there. Um, yes. So that, so that we will be able to not have to code switch, not have to dress up our language, but, you know, we can be ourselves and be able to send that information out there to those who may not be able to access it. And, and, and so I, I really, really, I'm, I'm, I've dedicated my career, my life to being mm -hmm. able to be a healing voice to our people um, in the therapeutic, mm -hmm. in, in the therapy and therapeutic mm -hmm. realm, um, because there are not a lot of us, you know, and we need to have these talks and we need somebody to help become that GPS system to navigate us through the terrain of, yes. loss, of losslessness. Um, yes. And it's out there, you know, so Absolutely. if we don't do it, you know, we need to do it um, because nobody else is going to do it to us. And, and, and I'll say this, one of the things that really, really irritated me in my undergrad is the fact that there were writers of textbooks that wrote all about the African-Americans wrote all about Latino people, wrote all about the Asians, but I did not see one chapter about Caucasian people. Right. And I, I and that that really that really caused me to 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 really change my direction on who I wanted to serve. You know, mm -hmm. and, and I really believe that there's a difference between when you study people and when you research people. When you study people, you study people to take advantage of. When you research people, mm -hmm. you research people to learn about them to help them. And we've been studied for far too long. That's deep. And in the textbook, it, it exhibits that. It displays that so, so kindly and, and unkindly that we have been studied, that, that black people respond this way and we act that way. We've been studied and we haven't really been researched to be able to help find remedy and to find solution and to help us in the process of collective healing. There's been That's collective so trauma happening around us for decades. Now it's time for us to be to be the cavalry and to be the collective healing voice. Absolutely. Um, so that's, yes. that's just what my passion is. And and um and I'm gonna just quiet myself because I've just been just <laughs> monopolizing a little too much. That, oh, that's, no, I'm sorry. That's my brother, passion. I'm sorry. It's never monopolizing the conversation. It's about learning, sharing the knowledge that you have so that we can also learn. And like you said, you being a conduit. No, th this is it's never monopolized. Matter of fact, I will piggyback on what Celeste said. <laughs> this will truly expand us knowing about generational trauma. She says, thank you. I got to have you on. You are super dope. Yes, Celeste, I agree. So I, I, I definitely I want you to that. reach out to her or vice versa. But she's on my um. Just look her up, Celeste the therapist. 
She follows me. I follow her and you'll see it and contact her. I mean, I will. Oh, I will. we got to stay connected. We got to stay connected. You know, it's a Absolutely. it's a collective effort for collective change. And I think that, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we have to move from contemplation to actuation. We got it. We got to start putting putting our hands to the plow and we're doing it. I think that, you know, we can do it in a more massive and effective way if everybody know that we're all doing it together, you know, so that we're not duplicating mm-hmm. services of healing, um, but that we're, we're moving forward in that. So, um, but I, I appreciate you again. I appreciate all of the, the viewers, the supporters, those who um, who joined in, who connected. Thank you all um, for the support. And thank you again for, for Ursula, for you being who you are. Black, mm-hmm. black girls getting the shift together. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Oh my God. Girl. You are a gem to the community. Wow. Yeah. Love it. And with that being said, I definitely qualify you as a brother who has his shift together. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> for joining me on this episode of Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. If anything you heard today made your soul vibrate, please like, comment, and share this episode with two of your friends. Thank you and I love you all. This little queen, sisters manifesting their dreams. Get your cream by any means and being with self-esteem. Beauty supreme and booty walk so mean. The way you fit in them jeans, you eat your cornbread and greens. Dance or a doctor, red wine or vodka. Redesign your spot and redefine your mantra. Retwist your locks and realign your chakras. Doing your squats and getting closer to God, huh? Brunching with your squad or taking a girl's trip. Adjust your crown, you guys give to the world, sis. Celestial body, drink your water. Meditate, sun-kissed goddess, heavenly order. Levitate, tribe of Ashanti, black girl magic, melanin popping, whether you ratchet or lavish, whether you bougie or savage, you a gift and a treasure. You got to love a black girl getting a shift together. Black girls are getting a shift together. These black girls getting a shift together, man. These black girls are getting a shift together. These black girls getting a shift together, dog.